0: Welcome to Season 2 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 68 is entitled, Thanksgiving, Part 1, Gratitude.
1: When I want a synonym, I always turn to J.I. Rodell's, The Synonym Finder. The book offers the following synonyms for gratitude. Gratefulness, thankfulness, sense of obligation, Beholdenness, recognition, acknowledgement, thanksgiving, praise, benediction, thank offering, requital, grace, a lively sense of favors to come. But of course, words branch out from there. For example, grateful has the following synonyms deeply appreciative of benefits received, thankful, indebted to, obliged, obligated. Beholden, under obligation, mindful, impressed, pleasant to the mind or sense, gladsome, agreeable, gratifying, genial, acceptable, satisfactory, satisfying, welcome, delightful, charming, restful, comfortable, interesting, lovely, heartfelt, rapturous thrilling, felicitous, ecstatic, heavenly, delicious, sweet, luscious, delectable, savory, palatable, toothsome, nice, refreshing, invigorating. When defining a concept such as gratitude, a word or synonym may identify one attribute. However, To understand the concept fully, you must first identify all the attributes. Each attribute will have its own list of synonyms. A prayer at dinner I often heard as a child contained the following phrase, For what we are about to receive make us truly thankful. What does it mean to be truly thankful? To fully understand the concept, one must know all the attributes and all the synonyms. Of course, if you really want to know the concept, then explore the antonyms of each attribute as well. A concept like thanksgiving, for example, can only be understood if we understand ourselves. For example, we cannot be truly thankful for something unless we know what that something is. Therefore, we must explain how we connect with the object of our gratitude. Consider the following connections we may have to things we are thankful for. I shall list only four, Perhaps you can list more. One, the five senses. Two, the mind. Three, the heart. And four, the spirit. The five senses, of course, contain the eyes, ears, fingers, mouth, and nose, which represent sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. The mind contains logic, inductive and deductive reasoning, the scientific method, pure reason, and so on. The heart contains feelings, desires, and passions, and the spirit contains the supernatural, the eternal, the metaphysical, the otherworldly. Imbalance occurs when one connection dominates at the expense of the others. For example, the seven deadly sins, pride, envy, gluttony, lust, anger, greed, and sloth focus entirely on the natural man. True gratitude cannot exist in such a poisonous environment. Christians have traditionally taught the seven deadly sins must be offset by the seven heavenly virtues. Humility, kindness, abstinence, chastity, patience, liberality, and diligence. It is not the appetites of the flesh which are being condemned. It is the excess. The seven heavenly virtues do not condemn the body created by God. The seven heavenly virtues establish boundaries beyond which we should not go. If we stay within those boundaries established by God, we will find happiness in this life and eternal joy in the next. What is the tipping point? Where does self-confidence turn to pride? Where does admiration turn to envy? Where does appetite turn to gluttony? Where does desire turn to lust? Where does sense of justice turn to anger? Where does ambition turn to greed, and where does rest turn to sloth? God created our bodies that we might have fullness of joy. In this life, we have a mortal body that our joy might be full. In the next life, we will have a resurrected, immortal body that our joy might be full. In modern times, we see other imbalances. Today, reliance upon the temporal without considering the spiritual has moved us toward atheism, pessimism, and even nihilism. Reliance upon the heart without the mind has moved us toward socialism. Reliance upon the spirit without the mind has moved us toward fanaticism. God has so created us that by using all the sensory perceptions, the physical senses, the mind, the heart, and the spirit, we can maintain a balance, what the Greeks called the golden mean. The Apostle Paul understood the wisdom of the golden mean, or what Holy Writ sometimes refers to as the perfect man. Notice that the following three examples have one common theme, perfect balance. Number one, in Ephesians 6, Paul said that we must put on the whole armor of God.
0: Having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints.
1: Number 2. In First Corinthians 14, Paul said,
0: For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary.
1: Number three. In Ephesians 4, Paul uses the same analogy referring to the Church of Christ.
0: And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ.
1: Paul's conclusion is startling.
0: Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ.
1: How do we come to a unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Perhaps we have all been haunted by the Savior's words at the conclusion of Matthew chapter 5 during the Sermon on the Mount.
0: Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect.
1: We painfully know that perfection in this world is not within our grasp. However, striving for perfection is but it can only be achieved if we strive for balance. This is particularly true with the virtue of gratitude. If we rely only on the five senses, we will have an imbalance of the natural man over the spiritual man. If we rely only on the mind and not also on the heart and the spirit, we will also have an imbalance of the temporal over the spiritual, or the laws of nature over the laws of God. If we rely only upon the heart over the mind, we will have an imbalance of the passions over reason feelings over logic. If we rely only upon the spiritual over the temporal, the heart over the mind, we will have an imbalance of opinions or perceptions over reality. If you tell me what you are truly thankful for, then I will tell you who you really are. Imbalances are easily detected. We are losing our liberty today because of the imbalance in the expression of our gratitude, or should I say our expression of ingratitude. A modern definition of pride is a contempt of the past over the delusions of the present. To be truly thankful, we must apply all our senses and all the attributes of what gratitude means. Let's go back to the synonyms of gratitude. The majority of the terms are close in meaning, what we think of when we think of the word synonym. But there are actually eight classifications, or eight different concepts, suggested in the synonyms for gratitude listed above thanks to the thoroughness of Rodale's staff. First is the sense of the concept of gratitude. The synonyms suggest a multitude of thoughts and emotions. Gratefulness, thanksgiving, mindful, acceptable. Second, a sense of personal obligation is suggested by synonyms such as indebted to, or beholden, or obliged, or under obligation. Third is a sense of reverence expressed in synonyms such as benediction, Grace, heavenly, rapturous. Fourth is a sense of awakening of something greater than oneself, suggested by the synonyms recognition or acknowledgement. Fifth is the involvement of the heart, suggested by the synonyms such as gladsome, heartfelt, gratifying, delightful, meaning to fill with light. Sixth is the involvement of the five senses, suggested by the synonyms of delicious, sweet, luscious, delectable. Seventh is a sense of euphoria, suggested by the synonym ecstatic, thrilling, felicitous. And eighth, and finally, is the sense of the will to take action, suggested by the synonym giving thanks or giving praise. True gratitude involves the whole being, the subliminal, the sense of duty, sense of reverence, and awakening, the heart, the five senses, the spirit, the mind, and the will to act. It consists of wanting to give something in return, a sense of obligation. We owe gratitude to all those who came before us, seeking freedom from an oppressive world. Those who built this great nation, and those who shed their blood for this great nation. We owe gratitude for past and present heroes who are willing to fight for our freedom and die for our freedom. Some things kill gratitude. When we desecrate statues of former heroes, We desecrate a part of our history and thus part of ourselves. Something in us shrivels and dies when we expect others to overlook our flaws, but we refuse to overlook the flaws of others. When we desecrate our flag, a part of us dies because the stars and stripes symbolize the courage and faith and sacrifice of those imperfect people who made this nation safe for us. When we remove God from our coins, from our pledge of allegiance, and from our schools and courtrooms, we distance ourselves from the very being who gave us equality in the first place, the being who created us, who created the world, and created everything in it. If you take away the source of equality, you take away equality. And what do you replace it with? Man made idea of equality. If you take away the law of liberty, such as the Ten Commandments, you take away liberty. Well did Abraham Lincoln say in the Gettysburg Address, Fourscore and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty, and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We were met on a great battlefield of that war. Nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us to live in rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which they gave the last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, for the people, shall not perish from the earth. If I were an enemy to freedom, the first thing I would do is to take away gratitude. When gratitude dies, the heart of the people dies with it. I would take away thanksgiving, or that is to say, I would take away those things which America has traditionally been thankful for—God, family, respect for flag and country, and gratitude for heroes of the past. If I wanted to kill America, I would kill the past, leaving the corpse to the present which only thinks it has life. The past is the soul of the nation, and when the soul is gone, the body dies propped up by empty platitudes of prefabricated virtues that deny the absolute truths of God and placates a world that wishes to justify behavior rather than to improve it. If we want to return to liberty, we must reinstate the terms of liberty, and the first act is to turn our hearts to God and show our gratitude by obeying His laws and His commandments that we may prove that we are truly thankful.
0: Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.
1: In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.